How many of you still have your wisdom teeth? How many we got out there? Wisdom teeth? Yeah? Absolutely. Well, they call your third molars wisdom teeth because apparently wisdom is supposed to come around age 20 to 25. I don't know about you, but that was not my experience at all. And to prove that point, they told me at age 15, about 20 years ago, that I needed my wisdom teeth out, and I have not gotten that done 20 years later. Uh, so the wisdom didn't come for some reason. We're living in an age of a knowledge explosion. The internet is filled with all types of information on any subject the human mind can think of. Even before you think about it, someone else already has and has researched it and has recorded the results in some publication. Uh, I was home a couple weeks ago for the 4th of July, or, uh, and I uh, was sitting there with my brothers, and I came up with this amazing idea. I thought it would just be like, you know, I was going to revolutionize the world. And uh, it was a, an idea for an app that translates sign language, Right? Isn't that a good idea? Where you, you could hold up the phone and it can use like the uh, augmented reality and it will tell you what that person's saying. So I went and looked it up. Someone else has already come up with it. Doesn't matter what you've thought about, someone else has already started that process. But just because we have access to more facts, does that really mean that we are wiser? No. Knowledge is information, but wisdom is the right use of that information to achieve the proper ends. Wisdom correlates and controls the use of our knowledge. Someone said this, and I love this quote, is that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> wisdom is the right application of knowledge. We uh, start learning wisdom at an early age, and sometimes even children can be profound and wise. Here's some quotes for us from some different children. Patrick, at the age of 10, said, never trust a dog to watch your food. That's pretty good, right? Michael, age 14, says, when your dad is mad and asks, do I look stupid, don't answer him. Joel, age 10, says, don't pick on your sister when she has a baseball bat. <laughs> Randy, uh, nine years of age, said this, stay away from prunes. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Talia says, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. <laughs> Amir said, you can't hide a piece of broccoli in your milk. And lastly, this is a really good one. Michael, age 14, says, never tell your mom her diet's not working. <laughs> but Psalms, the book of Psalms, is full of songs of wisdom, songs that teach us things. We have had uh, songs of wisdom uh, that we learned early on in our lives, like this one, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? It taught us something. It taught us, uh, there were songs that taught us how to tie our shoes, songs that taught us how long we should wash our hands. These are simple ways to pass on information. Psalms 1 is a very helpful song of wisdom. So that's where we're going to be here, starting out in Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1, if you turn there in your Bible. We've talked about so far, we've talked about psalms of royalty and psalms 
of praise and psalms of thanksgiving and also psalms of lament. And here we're going to look at some psalms of wisdom. And you're probably familiar with this psalm. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is a step-by-step instructional tutorial on how to be blessed. What what does that mean? What does it mean to be blessed? Well, in the Bible, it means a deep-seated joy and contentment that can only be given to us by God. We have these steps. First, it says, don't follow wicked people down the path to pain. Don't follow wicked people down the path to pain. Step two is don't stand with them there in the way of sin. Don't just stand there and and allow yourself to be influenced. Step three, definitely don't sit down. Don't walk there. Don't stand there. Don't sit down. It's kind of like one of those horror movies, you know, where you're watching this whole thing unfold. No, 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 no. Don't go down there. No, the killer's right behind you. Not that way. What are you doing just standing there? Get out of there. What in the world? Did you just sit down? The killer's right there. Get away from that danger. This wisdom is all about being blessed. And it says, don't allow yourself to walk, stay, and sit in a place where you're being influenced by uh, wicked things. And things that will uh, encourage you to think wickedly. So what does that mean to you? How does that apply to you as a person that's trying to follow God? What does that mean you need to cut out of your life? Or who do you need to distance yourself from? What is the path of wickedness in your life? Where do you need to stop going? Okay, we got it, right? Don't be influenced by wickedness. So what's next? Well, if we want to be blessed, we know that we can't be swayed and influenced by sin. Well, step four in this psalm says, follow the path of God's word. Love it, adore it, become enamored with it, delight in it. And next it tells us to meditate on it. Stay and think on God's truth. Don't just buzz through God's word, stay and think on it. And then lastly, it tells us to plant ourselves in it. Put your roots deep into the wisdom of the living water, God's word. And these are the steps to be blessed. And if you follow these steps, you're promised to prosper. But if you don't follow these steps, everything that you've built in this life will blow away and not last. Talk about some wisdom that we get to see from God's word. It's so simple. It's not much harder than the ABCs. Stay away from sin. If you find yourself being drawn to bitterness or drawn to hate, drawn to pride and self-promotion, drawn to lust and drunkenness, 
If you find yourself in that place, wake yourself up. Don't go down those paths. And instead, dwell on the beauty of God's word. Think on it and plant your roots deep into it. See, it's so simple to figure out. But for many of us, it's so hard to practice. This is wisdom. Socrates said this about wisdom. He said, the only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. We need to know that without Jesus, our life is a mess. We need to remember that he is our only hope, and our only hope is found in the gospel. We need to understand that we are just desperate sinners that are loved abundantly. And all we want and all we need is found in him. There's another amazing thing about the wisdom of God's word. And that spells it out in James chapter 1. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't be a Bible scholar that doesn't live it out, else you're lying to yourself. Then it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, then he is like a man who intently Uh, who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and then he goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See, for better or for worse, God's word is a mirror. And for better or for worse, a mirror shows us what we look like, right? Sometimes we're happy with it, sometimes we're not. But God's word is like a mirror that shows us the parts of us that don't line up with his will. And the deeper that we search God's word, the more our motives will become clear. Evan Esser said this, the disadvantage of becoming wise is realizing how foolish you have been. I'm only 34, and I imagine this will continue to happen as I get older. But the older I get, the more I realize how dumb I was when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, and I'm sure when I'm 50, I'll say how dumb I was when I was 34. Sometimes with more wisdom, we realize how foolish we have been. And often these wisdom psalms compare and contrast the wicked and the righteous, followers of God or followers of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, Psalms 37, we'll stick here for a minute again, if you want to turn there. Psalms 37. And this is awesome, because I think, I think we can really uh, relate to these uh, truths today and where we're at in our society. It says this, fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. If you skip down to verse 5, it says, Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger 
and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. These verses encourage us not to worry about the wicked and whether or not they prosper. I feel like that gets a lot of our attention as Christians. We look at the world and we say, well, they're doing it wrong. And we get angry about it and we get mad about it. But the truth is, is they don't have Christ. And without Christ, we're all destined for sin. Our sin might look differently than someone else. But it says here for us not to fret over those things because it tends only towards evil. Instead, wait patiently on the Lord. Don't get angry about the wicked and the fact that they seem to be getting away with their behavior. They will soon face judgment. But the righteous and the meek will have a great inheritance of blessing, delight, and peace. See, if you commit your life and your plans to God and you trust Him and you watch Him move, because those wicked will only prosper for so long. So do right and follow God. Verse 12 goes on. It says, The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose way is upright. But their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. This is awesome right here. It says, Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken. But the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. This psalmist is laying out this great debate here. Should I be wicked or should I be righteous? Should I follow my own way or should I follow God's way? Well, obviously here the evidence is clear that the wicked will face the consequences of their sin, but the righteous will be upheld by God's arms. It's better to have little and follow God than have a lot and follow your own way. The rewards of the righteous are forever, but the bounty of the wicked will vanish away. God's word is so full of this wisdom. And much of it is not intuitive, but it's true and it's right and it's helpful. Love your enemies. That's what God says is wise. It's not natural. Have you ever tried to love one of your enemies? It's hard. But try it. God's word says it's wise. Let others go first. Put others' needs before your own. That's against our instincts. But follow it and see how much better your life will be. It's better to give than receive. You reap what you sow. Do unto others as you would, as, as you would have them do to you. These things are not natural. In fact, these things we cannot do apart from Christ. 
And apart from surrendering and relying on the gospel and the fact that Jesus died in our place and that we are sinners and without Christ we're destined for pain. These things are not natural, but they are direct wisdom from the very lips of God. So put them to the test. Try them out. Search God's word for how to live. One of my favorite pieces of wisdom from God's word is this. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Amen, right? That's not from the Bible. Just, we're going to let me get away with that, weren't you? We need to be careful to respect the Bible enough that we do not misquote it or that we only use it as a weapon to win an argument. God's word is too big for that. But for real, here's one of my favorite pieces of wisdom from God's word. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. That's good stuff right there, right? We'd like to say that to other people, I think, right? Not me, personally. I, my opinion is very valid. Uh, everybody else just needs to be more quiet. But in this age where everyone feels like everyone else needs their opinion, my opinion is so important and my opinion is so revolutionary that I'm just going to share it, I'm going to post it, I'm going to make sure everybody else knows about my opinion. you got to be careful because when you open your mouth, people are going to know how dumb you are. <laughs> right? That's some good wisdom right there. And sometimes it's wise not to post that or to share that. See, God's word should not be our last defense, but our first resort. It's not, uh, you hear people say sometimes, well, when all else is lost, just pray. Don't do that. That's terrible advice. First pray. First go to God's word. Don't wait till everything else is all out of hand. So where do I start on this path to wisdom? Well, God's word spells that out to us in Psalms. Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Do you realize that you have access to the mind of God, the one who knows everything? And when we ignore the Bible, we are fools. God says, if you want to be wise, start fearing the Lord. That's not like fear, like you would fear a ghost or something like that. Douglas Sean O'Donnell said this, The fear of the Lord is a continual, humble, and faithful submission to God, which compels one to hate evil and to turn away from it, and it brings with it rewards better than all earthly treasures, the rewards of a love for God, a knowledge of God, a long life, confidence, satisfaction, and protection. It's just like Socrates said, the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing, and let me add this, and that God knows everything. What if you really would set out to believe with your life that I have no idea what I should do next? I better ask God. I have no idea what I should do with this relationship. Yeah, my one friend says that I should do that. My husband says I should do this. My Boss says I should do that. But what if we went to God and his word first? So have you been living by your wisdom or God's? Do you just decide things and then pray that God will bless that decision? 
Or do you search his word and seek his face for wisdom? Proverbs 4, 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, (laughs) right? The beginning of wisdom is to get wisdom. How can it have the confidence to say that? This next verse will tell us. James 1, 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all. What if we began to claim that promise? God, you said you would give me wisdom. God, I'm leaving this up to you. See, the problem, though, many of us like to know what God's will is first before we decide whether we're going to do it or not, right? God, give me the options here, and then I'll decide if I want to do it or not. That's not how God works. God wants surrender first, and then God will lead us and guide us. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all. See, wisdom isn't just people with long white beards that get to stroke them, although I wish I could do that. Wisdom, having wisdom, is someone that follows God's word and seeks his faith. Wisdom, you need it, God has it. Ask him, and he will give it to you. Every head's bowed and eyes closed as the worship team comes. Everything that I have ever regretted that I've ever done would have been solved if I would have seeked God's face first. So by process of elimination, if I don't want to do that ever again, I need to start seeking God's face now. You don't need to ask me, your pastor, whether or not you should do this or do that. You don't need to ask, you know, all these pundits or read all these books. God promises to give us wisdom. It's, it's good to, to get a multitude of counselors. The Bible says that. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And sometimes God speaks through people. But first, go to God. In prayer, pick up his word and say, God, I need you. God promises to give us wisdom if we'll just ask might not come in the form of a fortune cookie. But God wants to lead and guide and direct us. There's a song that we sang as kids in, in the church that I grew up in. It says, the Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Let's take some time to search our heart and ask that question. Am I following my wisdom or God's wisdom?